0: Greetings and welcome to Best Cultural Destinations podcast, People Are Culture. I'm Meg Pierre, host of this interview series, which presents stories of how culture is created, preserved, and shared, one person at a time. People Are Culture podcast celebrates our unique differences and shared human condition and reveals that while the phenomenon of culture is universal, its meaning is personal. Mary Hawks Green is president of Byrne College of Art, which she founded with her late husband, Michael Green, in 1994. The Byrne College of Art is an internationally recognized Irish nonprofit college specializing in undergraduate, postgraduate, and alternative approaches to fine art education. The college is located in the Byrne, a region famous for its natural beauty and unique ecosystem. Mary's career in education has ranged from teaching in Italy, France, and Israel, to designing programs for inner city Dublin communities, to working with government agencies on education policy for itinerant Irish traveler children. Central to all of these has been her commitment to the arts and education and firsthand experience of the educational values of living in diverse cultures. Underpinning my conversation with Mary is the notion that we are all artists and that creativity is a requirement for successfully navigating the increasingly complex world of ours. Enjoy the conversation. Mary, thank you so much for making the time to join Best Cultural Destinations' People Are Culture program. And I want to start with a question I ask of each of my guests, which is, what is culture? Yes,
1: well, I've been, I suppose, giving a bit of a bit of thought to that, and I mean, ideally, the, the the definition of culture is kind of a collective set of beliefs, values, and norms that define how we are and and how we live and what's important to us. Uh, I suppose it's 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 what is the the spoken and the unspoken and the kind of uh, tacit uh, norms by that kind of bind us together as a society. Is how I would define it.
0: Okay, great. And then, as a follow up to that, why does culture matter? Well, I think it's really in this in this age of
1: globalization and I suppose homogenization, culture is the defining feature. It's kind of what gives us our identity. We're bound together by, by 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 being on the planet, but but within that, then the specific culture that related to the areas and the places uh, and the societies we live in—that's what differentiates us and makes the world the interesting place it is. And I think um, that's that's really why, it, particularly at this in, in this age of of globalization and homogenization, that it really is vital that you know that 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 we're aware of and our own culture and, and the other cultures that enhance kind of the rich tapestry of life
0: right i would agree now you and your late husband michael founded the Burren college of art in 1993 to give student artists the opportunity to develop their creative potential in the unique environment of the Burren. for people not familiar with the Burren, can you describe the landscape and your and michael's connection to it <laughs> yeah, well
1: when you ask that question meg what what comes to mind is when uh, michael who was my late husband and whose family had been in the burn for 10 generations was trying to woo me uh, with some difficulty i might add <laughs> uh, he um he said to me when Mary I'm giving you the chance to live in the most wonderful place in the world but you just don't know it yet and I thought at the time well you've got some cheek I've traveled the world and I've been in lots of places and I could live in lots of places and why do you think the Burren is so so special and of course having lived here now for 30 almost 35 years he was right (laughs) And uh, it's just it took me a while to get to know it. But the longer I'm here and the more I'm here and the more I walk in the burn and i out in that landscape, the more I just know how special it is. So, what? OK, why is it special? Well, to begin with, I mean, it's an area of limestone pavement that was formed by tectonic forces. I mean, the burn, the burn, it it's, it's, uh, comes from an Irish word meaning a rocky place. And it's uh, it's just fields and fields of limestone that once upon a time was down near the equator. Uh, that's where we began. And we were the seabed. And then it was shifted and molded and shaped. And that's what and shifted. And that's what formed the Burren. So you get these fields of limestone, big limestone slabs that are punctuated by clints and grikes. They're big fissures in the rock. and out of those fissures in the rock grow an amazing abundance of flowers, Mediterranean and alpine flowers that grow side by side. Should never happen, but it does. And then underneath this whole area of limestone rock is a whole labyrinth of caves because uh, there's only one overground river in the burn, and all the other water sources are underground. So they have carved and channeled a, a whole cave system underneath. So when you're walking on the barren you're not you you, there's a whole other world beneath you as well as you know the hills and the the area that's around you so it's multi just it has multi layers to it and you can you can feel it and you can know it and it's also a very ancient landscape it actually has more archaeological remains than per square foot than any other part of ireland and you you can feel the footsteps of the generations that have gone before, and the the wisdom and the just what's latent and what's what's held in those rocks and in the stones, and it's just theme and the quality of the light here. You know, even the winter time when it's dark and it looks bare, and you get this golden winter light. It is just magic and. It's also a place that has. I mean, there's lots of holy wells here, so it's a place of great spirituality. Um, it just is in the. It's in the DNA of the place. It's in the waters, and there's holy wells, and there's wells that sprout out of nowhere, and carry with them all kinds of curative properties. And um, it's you know, it's a place where a hermit, you know, Saint Coleman, basically of old, lived in Eagles Rock and managed a whole system of monasteries all over the world from a cave in the barn so it's this quite amazing place that in my experience and I've traveled a lot like you make I love to travel and explore that's that's just I love to do that but it is like n- no other place I mean maybe it's a bit like New Mexico New Mexico reminded me a bit of it with with that again with that rock and that force but it's a very 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 special place and uh it's the longer, you know, it, it, in many ways, it's it's you, you don't ever really capture it, what it is, but you need to immerse yourself in it to really feel it and get right. it and be inspired by it. So right. that's what the Burren is about. And Michael knew that. He didn't know it. He didn't need to know it academically. I kind of need, needed to know things academically. He just knew it because he felt it because he was of a long lineage of 10 generations who had... Uh, lived in the barren in the same place all of that time, and he just knew he was in a very special power yes. place.
0: Yes, and I, I like planet. your use of the word power. And, and I have to say, Amazing. when I I've been there a couple of times, and I'm just it's so forceful in terms of you know it's mystery and it's otherworldliness. Yet at the same time, it's so grounding. Um, so it is a really amazing place. I have to say it's, it's, it's unlike any other place I've ever been. Um, now, as I understand it, Michael's vision in establishing the Byrne College of Art was to reconnect with the tradition of learning established by um, the Breon and Bardic schools of the sixth century. Can you explain those traditions and how they are carried out by the school? Yeah,
1: well, you know, Ireland, as you no doubt know, was the island of saints and scholars, and you know, it is said that we saved civilization. So, um, way back, uh, you know, between the sixth and the sixteenth century, the burn was recognised as this ple- this special place that enabled reflection, that enabled deep thinking, and and I suppose the acquisition of wisdom and so at that time you you had the poets who were the the um, bard bards the bardic scholars what they were considered they were in the higher highest echelons of society at that point in ireland because artists and their ability to i suppose sense into what the future had in store were they were valued for that wisdom but in order to gain that wisdom they had to take themselves away in many ways from normal society and um, be in that place of reflection and wisdom. So the burren had a famous bardic school, a poet school, was located, the Odalic Bardic School was one of those schools where poets and bards came to learn their craft. Equally, way back then, uh, lawyers were considered to be people of the utmost integrity and, and, and wisdom. And uh, yeah, well, that was then and maybe it will happen again sometime. But um, they also, similarly to uh, the poets and actually to those with religious calling, they were required to take themselves away to, uh, to a place of reflection and deep study and for six or seven years, they also had to convene in the Brehan Law Schools. And one of those was just close by where we now have the college. And the Brehan Laws were our old Irish system, legal system that was in operation before we were forced to take on the British legal system, which we have inherited and still use. And the Brehan system was, I would think, a lot more suited to the Irish psyche. It was all about restorative justice, not punitive justice. So you basically had to make up for, make good, whatever wrongdoing you had caused. So Brehan lawyers who had to adjudicate on these had to be exceedingly knowledgeable. They had to know the value, basically, of everything and then had to attribute a corresponding um Punish, well, not punishment, but how how can you make up? So if you take, I mean, there was a famously, they, they they were so wise. I mean, they they had, they understood, for example, that how important bees were, honeybees were to the planet. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody stole or somebody else's hive of bees or swarm of bees, you know, they had to make good that by giving them back so much honey and so on and so forth. That's just one example. But there are hundreds and thousands of laws because every single misdemeanor was looked at individually so it had to and the corresponding um you know compensation had to be worked out so anyway one of these so so lawyers to do that the Brehan lawyers had to be very very wise and very kind of above reproach and very ethical and so on so again the Abraham Law School was close by where we now have the college. And again, it was in the round. It was a stone building where where people met in the round and where they studied for a long time. So basically, it was in the late 80s when um, Michael grew up. My late husband, his family owned a hotel in Ballyvaughan for generations. And he grew up in the family hotel and meeting all the various people and professors of Botany and archaeology and geology and all of theologies who visited the Baron all of the time, as well as lots of artists and creative people who were drawn to the Baron. But he was in the late eighties. There was a spate of inappropriate development in the area, a lot of tourist development that maybe was a bit wasn't very well thought out. And uh, Michael was very keen that his beloved Ballyvorn and the Burren would be always, you know. Whereas it needed development, but it it, it it wanted it needed to be appropriate development. And he always felt strongly that it was a place of learning and that the burn was a learning landscape and the, that people really should, there was so much richness in the place that people should come to learn from it. And that that's where the opportunity was for development. So. Uh, even when he was running his family hotel he used to have weekends where he he had archaeology weekends he had storytelling weekends he had set dancing weekends he had culinary weekends when all of these things weren't even heard of way back in the like he was doing this in the 70s and 80s so then he had the idea well you know this really should there should be a centre of learning and he was it's such a creative place and has inspired so many artists and creative people he thought Okay, let, let's put a focus on getting back to that learning landscape, to, ha- to, the, to what the Burren was during the Brahmin and Bardic times, a place of, in many ways, retreat, reflection, immersion, you know, out of which comes clarity and wisdom. And uh, that's basically where the idea came from. But it was kind of, it was that, I suppose, inspirational idea, but as well as that coming out of a very real need for a small village. To have, uh, you know, to, to, that depends on in, incoming people for its, you know, for its revenue and 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 to make a living and to enable the the village to to thrive and for people to to live there. So it was a combination of, I suppose, um, you know, economic sustainability, uh, but allied to, you know, taking what was the best from our history and working with what was natural and good about the borough and something that wouldn't interfere with or wouldn't damage, but that people coming who were coming in a learning capacity would only enhance the area and give and respect it and and give back to it in a way that was appropriate.
0: My takeaway uh, instinctively is this idea of um, making whole. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, what a beautiful um, articulation of You know how that is being executed today through the you know bringing in people that want to learn and that have an appreciation for the arts and at the same time benefiting the community and kind of maintaining some type of integrity now the burn colleges of arts mission includes to be a hothouse for artists led by artists reflective and challenging remote and connected At the confluence of cultures. Um, I'm really intrigued about how this philosophy is brought to life as someone who's often very acutely aware of life's paradoxes. I'm particularly interested in the juxtaposition of reflective and challenging, as well as remote and connected and, of course, You know best cultural destinations is is about the confluence of cultures so Mm -hmm. i'd love to hear more about how this philosophy is brought to life
1: yes well obviously when we set the college up uh, and it opened in 1994 we we knew that we were looking to uh, an international marketplace really because uh, education in ireland is generally state-funded and public and there were enough art schools in the country. So we had to set up what was what's an independent art school. It's, 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 it's not for profit and it's charity and all that, but it's um it's not part of the state system. So and we also were aware that very often, you know, people look beyond their own horizon to, to see what's different. So we knew that we would be looking to um initially to North America. Uh, For students, Uh, but uh, our whole focus is international. And oh, you know, we're now this is our twenty fifth year, and I'm delighted to say that our student population is is has diversified quite a lot, and we are now you know attracting postgraduate students and artists and residents from all over the world. You know, students at the moment from India and uh, Africa and different places, but so we we do in that way our goal is very much to, to be at the confluence of cultures and i think our position where we are geographically located helps that so we're actually on the edge we're on the west the most westerly part of the west of ireland which is on the most westerly part of europe and uh, Geographically, we're like that. We're in the Burren, which is a very edgy, kind of um, unusual, lunar type of otherworldly place. And philosophically, we're also on the edge because because of the fact that we're independent and we're not, ne- we're not dictated to, I suppose, by, by particular, you know, larger bureaucratic institutions and, sta- and norms. We know we have the ability to be very innovative and to be at the cutting edge and to really be at the coal face of what um, education should be about. And the, the development of the individual artists should be about coming from whatever cultures they come from. Because here we are totally dedicated to the development of the individual uh, and whatever that person's particular individual path is. And I suppose, we have the luxury of being able to do that because we're intentionally small. You know, it's not that we haven't gro- grown. We've we, we don't want to be big in a countercultural way. We feel we can provide something really, really special by remaining uh, at a scale that's very, very human scale. So, um, but in order to do so, when in order to do this, we do need to be connected you know, as a small place. So we're connected with uh, actually two of the greatest art schools, I suppose, recognized as such in in the U.S. and in Europe. So the Royal College of Art in London and the School of the Art Institute of Chicago are our particular partners who kind of send us uh, mentors who work with our students in addition to our own faculty. So what we like to think is that we've developed a hybrid model of education that takes the best from, it's very definitely our Burren model, but it also is informed by, you know, the US model, which is much, which, which has a lot more input, and then by the European model, which is more reflective and hands-off, and we we combine them, uh, and in this particular place with our own particular philosophy, we we then can kind of, uh, we, we have a very special, unique, I suppose, model that is reflective and challenging. So being in the Burren isn't easy, you know. It is quite remote geographically in many ways. You know, public transport and infrastructure in the west of Ireland, you know, is is isn't is difficult enough to navigate. You can't go wherever you want to at the drop of a hat. Um, so when students come here, they have to be ready to take that step, where they're going to really delve deeply into who they are, what are their resources. How can they, you know, when you take, considering that a lot of our undergraduates particularly come from, you know, New York, Chicago, large cities in North America, where, you know, everything is at at their fingertips, they then have to say, who am I when I'm taken out of that environment, when I'm taken away from everything I know, and when I I am put in this place where time (laughs) is something that we have plenty of here. And that's very, very, very countercultural. And it's very difficult. Everybody thinks, oh, I'd love to have more time. If only I had time, I don't have any time. But take away the excess and take away the unnecessary stuff and give somebody the gift of lots of time. And it can be the most terrifying thing ever. Oh, okay. You know, what am I going to do now?
0: I'm familiar with that. And I think that it takes quite a bit of courage, actually, to to um, put yourself in that position. Uh, I totally appreciate what you're saying. I mean, today's society is so on the go, and um, there's so much coming at you, that when you're extracted from that, uh, it, it can be very overwhelming uh, to be left with yourself. So, I well, find that absolutely. fascinating.
1: And, and that's why we're very clear, you know, that the students coming to us know the nature of the experience because, you know, as we say, it is not for everybody by any means. And, uh, it, you know, students need to be hungry for that kind of experience. They need to be people who are really looking to find out what they're about. What's what really is inside of in me? What are my resources? What am I trying to say with my art? What am I trying to do with my life? What is my higher purpose? Um, you know, because they're the kind of, and we give them a lot, they get time and they get lots of space. We speak about what we're about time, space, and inspiration. And they have lots of, time. They're given lots of time by our faculty uh, because we have such a fantastic faculty studio student ratio. And then they, we have the most amazing studio spaces where, and again, that's something that usually is in short supply because colleges are generally urban. So we have each student here gets their own studio space, which is you know, a huge space, 14 by 14 by 14, to which they have access 24-7. And of course, for an artist, having a space of your own, a place of your own uh, to develop your work makes such, such a difference somewhere you can just be and not have to, you know, tidy up after every class and all the rest of it. So, um, and then there's this, there's the head space and then there's the physical space and then there's the space of the Burren and then there's the whole different connection with time and a whole reinterpretation, I suppose, of time as well. And, you know, we help students along, along that path, you know, to how to how to how to use time effectively, you know how, how to how to be able to prioritize how to how to you know handle this this newfound uh, you know something that's society I think contemporary society kind of values an absence of time. It's considered a great thing, you know. I have no time. I'm right. wonderful, you know. And um, so right. I have no time, and and but very often at the extent at the expense of being productive. So here, you know. Counterculturally, again, I suppose by slowing down, students become so much more productive. Uh, you know, very often we have students who come for a semester of undergraduate study, and they say, "Oh, i my, you know, I'm I'm ready for my final year. I've half the work done." Uh, so, because you know, it, there's a focus on what's important, and uh, you know, the, the distractions are are removed. So, I suppose that in that way, you know, we're saying it's re- it's reflective. And there's also re- reflection. You can't but reflect in a place like the barren You know, reflection is invited and, um, and it's challenging. And then the other thing where we really challenge people on is community, because having this, you know, opportunity to, to step away and so on could result in a lot of navel gazing and, uh, you know, in- inward, I-, I suppose, uh, focus, which is important for the artist, but community is one of our key values that we really promote and uh, help to foster. So there's, there's, there's attention to the individual, but then there's contribution to community because it's so vital that those, that they're balanced and that, you know, the, the, the enhanced individual is then in a position to better enhance society and the collective. And that's a very important part of our ethos here. And, um, you know, something I think that's evident in the spirit of the place and uh, in, in, in just the way it is. <laughs> so I don't know if I've answered your question, but so that reflective and challenging. Yes. Re- remote, obviously, geographically, we were connected. We are connected. I think we're, you know, to so many colleges all over the particularly North America, uh, different parts of North America. But now much more further afield, the number of students and artists uh, who have who have been to the Burren uh, over the 25 years we've been in existence and then of course they fall in love with the place and next thing they come back the year later with their family and they bring them to visit and now that we're 25 years on we it's just wonderful in the summer it's a non-stop stream of past students coming with their new husband or their new wife and their children and bringing them to show them where they spent this special time in their lives and uh, so that connection it, it really is like a big Burren family because at any one time we don't we never have more than forty forty ish forty to fifty students here so it's it really is you know it's a family and it's a very special time for people when they're here and um we really and it's a small community here in the college that 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 operate that we work together and most a lot of people have been here for a lot for a long time so you know it it really is a collective that is interested every single person who who's here is here at the, at the service of the students.
0: It's fascinating what you said about the, um, the reflection and the community, because I think as someone that considers myself to be a creative person, you know, you have to be still enough to understand, you know, what you stand for and, and what your message is. And, and yet to me, you know, the, the, essence of being creative is communicating and sharing and um that symbiosis so um that's you know i can definitely appreciate that that need for community as being an important element of the overall experience and that kind of segues into my next question which is the the school's programs explore the relationship Of art to ecology, law, archaeology, business, leadership, and other subjects. Can you give examples of some of those relationships and the way they are explored? Sure. Well, I think
1: the burn itself is such an example, a tangible, visible example of an ecosystem. You just know, you just have to look at it and see how it is to understand how every action impacts the entire system. So when you want to get a sense of systemic work and how systems work, and of course, society, you know, it, it, we're all in that global system, all affecting each other, um, then the Baron is just such a great place to study it. And to actually see it in action, and even for our students who come, you know, I tell them, you, you know, you may be somebody coming for two years or, or PhD, longer, if you could do a PhD, or you might be coming for a four week summer program. But you actually, as one individual, can have an effect. And you can see that effect in a place like, uh, like the Baron, and in a community of Bally The, the Ballyvon is the village. That we are part of, and the college is just intrinsically part of that village and part of that community. And so, when students come here, they're not coming just to be students at the college; they're coming to be participants in the community of Ballyvaughan for the time they're there. So, on, on an immediate, uh, I suppose, basis, students are straight. You know, we introduce them on at the first weekend they come to the people who run the various the, the various shops, the various businesses in the village. Um, they we encourage them to get involved in whatever social and cultural affairs are going on in the village. So invariably we'll have a few who'll join the local ukulele group, which then of course introduces them to a whole bunch of people who then invite them and they go and meet lots of other people. And that's just the way how communities work. They also, occasionally students may help out in the the local school. Um, They they get involved in the local St. Patrick's Day parade. Uh, So, you know, in a small community that's as welcoming as ours is, it's, 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 it's just all the opportunities are there for contribution and for involvement and for understanding, and maybe it could be for the first time, understanding what it feels like to be able to contribute meaningfully in, uh, you know, in a community, because sometimes, you know, if students are coming from colleges where there are thousands and thousands and thousands of students, they may, they may not have that kind of sensibility. So, uh, so they there's the natural, I suppose, um, involvement with the immediate community and contributing to that then um and then and then of course that's reciprocated the community you know loves to see what work the students are making come and see their exhibitions get involved you know with them and, and it's it's reciprocal and it's it's really and you speak about you know i know you know you speak about cultural connections but here students get embedded in the local culture and that's you know and they can have they go up to the local farmer and can help out or they may listen to somebody telling stories about long ago but that, that kind of stuff can still happen and it's it's so rich. Then we have, on a more formal basis, we have a commitment. Obviously, being in a place as sensitive, environmentally sensitive as the Borough, we um, we have a great commitment to art and ecology, and what, uh, how artists can influence um, ecological issues and bring greater awareness and a different way of seeing. Um, global issues that affect us all and how we live on the planet so we have a master's program uh, an MFA and an MA in art and ecology that combines uh, studio work with the scientific um, study which in this case is focused specifically on the Burren because it's there as a learning landscape you know to, to look at and to see you know with all the attendant issues of How is it affected by climate change? How is it affected by tourism? How is it affected by, you know, developments? It's all there to be studied in microcosm. So that really informs our art and ecology uh, master's programs. And we also have a very popular summer school, which is again, combines uh, studio work and science. And so that's that's a very tangible way. Um, And it's reflected in our academic programs then we also um i mean we have uh reflecting on the Bar- the brahman laws that i was telling you about earlier on we honor those laws and that tradition by having an annual symposium on the brahman laws which compares um aspects of whatever issues are are contemporary and looks at them through the lens of the brahman laws as well so we always bring in a brahman scholar who will um you know research whatever the topic is this year interestingly and not surprisingly considering global issues uh oh. the title of when the that conference happen? this year is you know democracy in crisis question mark so yeah so it's always and of course we have our i didn't mention that we have a 16th century tower house here which was again where the you know chieftains of old used to live in uh so that 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 is the center of our campus and it kind of links, um, I suppose, the wisdom and traditions of old, you know, with the very contemporary art school we have in the courtyard. So all of the events that we have are honored by having, you know, the opening welcoming event in this 16th century tower house with a harpist and the fire and all the rest of it and always some, some words of wisdom from that age in our own native language so we have the Bryan law school that's an annual um, event as well as that we have well obviously um what i have noticed i suppose watching young students who've been coming here for 25 years is that as well as enhancing their creative voice they have actually they, there's so much personal development goes on that that almost that that is as as big a learning and it's mostly getting to know themselves and learning to lead themselves and I have been particular my i, I have a particular interest in the intersection between the arts and leadership and I suppose how leaders how artists intuitively know get to that state of wisdom where they know when it's right to make the mark they know when to strike the note they know you know when they have found their voice and you know taking that and applying it uh, more broadly um, in the world i think is what is currently um of interest to me because i know that we have a set of circumstances here that are fairly unique in the burren there's the barren itself, which is the most important one, which is the inspirational place that, as you mentioned, is also so grounding and so earthing and takes you back kind of to a source place, a kind of a place of, of birth again. So you've got the location and then we have a, a particular set of processes, I think, that we have developed fairly uniquely over, the, over our 25 years that... Some are taken from the research, method, research methods, you know, in our graduate programs and so on. And they can be applied, you know, not just to artists, but they, they can be applied more generally. So we've taken aspects of um, the creative process that are transferable and uh, combined with uh, immersion in, in place with and combined with radical hospitality we We have together i suppose uh developed a whole new suite of offerings that and and capacities and capabilities that I am very excited about because I can see a the increasing need for this work in the in the world at the moment this you know the world that's so volatile and uncertain and complex and ambiguous and all of those and to try and lead leaders who are trying to lead in this environment need more than they're going to get from harvest harvard business school you know that that you you know you you can have lots of um capacity building and techniques and what you can learn but you also have to develop your own innate creative capacity
0: yes mary Um, let me you have i have some specific questions about programs that um I believe would fall under this concept that you're talking about and one of those is um the school center for universal creativity mm-hmm. based in part on the idea that we are all artists can you yeah. talk about this view and approach sure
1: um i suppose it's, it comes from joseph boyce uh his belief that when he, you know, he said everyone is an artist, which of course, you know, means that everybody has the capacity to be creative in everything they do. It doesn't mean we're all born to be Picassos. Um, but we firmly believe that everybody has the capacity to be creative, that, that this is a capacity that is required at this moment in time, more than ever to try and come to grip, you know, to grips with the calamitous things that are happening in the world. And that, sadly, our education system to date uh, has very often not alone, not alone, not, not, not enhanced this capacity, but has actively, maybe unintentionally, but has actively managed to dampen it. So we Seeing what the transformation that happens, even to artists who are, you know, who are who are self-proclaimed you know, creative people, how their capacity for creativity is and can be enhanced in certain circumstances, and some of which we have witnessed here, we have actually decided to take these and through a kind of a an umbrella of the Center for Universal Creativity, taken this concept and applied it to in other Context, maybe with people who don't necessarily consider themselves creative. So, uh, one of the programs we have, we have is called creative difference and it is basically, it includes, uh, a lot of self-awareness work, uh, as well as some, um, you know, methods taken from a uh, research methodology taken from, uh, you know, creative education, and its goal is to help free people up and uh, to enable them to recognize the inhibitors, I suppose, and the blind spots, at the, you know, where they are often the people who are inhibiting their own capacity, their own creative capacity or their own leadership capacity. And through uh, an immersive program that we host here in the Baron. Uh, we We help them to recognize that and to try and you know overcome that basically and become different to their habitual selves that 's what creative difference is about so you know we we all develop a particular personality and maybe a way of being and a way of responding in the world that becomes habitual and doesn't doesn't necessarily may not always serve us to our best advantage so it 's good to be able to recognize if there, if that is happening and to identify what the blockage is and to try and kind of free that up. So we now work, we, we, we work this program. We have all of the um, PhD, the doctoral students from the university and UI Galway, whom we work closely with, they come and these could be researchers. They're international researchers in every field, medicine, engineering, artificial intelligence, whatever it might be, they're, they're not, necessarily from the humanities or uh, the creative arts and they come and take uh, this program which is taught over two immersive uh, inten- intensive periods uh, and they learn to be more creative in their, in their research because very often again they become, and again I suppose it's a symptom of specialization, they become so tunnel visioned and so necessarily focused on a particular piece of information or research that they can sometimes fail to see the bigger picture or how what they're doing relates to the bigger picture. And, you know, by doing life drawing, by being in a, you know, getting out of that mindset, they begin to see things differently and realize the lens through which they're seeing things. So that's one of the programs we do. We also have. I would just like I'm to just interject Mary.
0: Um, you know, it's interesting yeah? to me what you're saying about, uh, the model, certainly in the U S, um, is, you know, everything revolves around being measured by a certain set of criteria that is, is kind of standardized. And, um, you know, I would say as someone that spent 25 years in corporate America, um, you know, I think part of what that, the conditioning that occurs, um, are the success metrics Mm -hmm. and you know people learn Mm -hmm. that what quantifies success is x y and z and in my own personal experience um you know trying to be a creative person and conform to this universal standardized success metrics is a big part of the problem Mm Absolutely.
1: And it's what, you know, I think it is the, uh, it has been the the killer of creativity in, in our education systems. I suppose in an effort to make education seem equitable and, you know, have, have um, measurable outcomes and clarity and fairness and all the rest of it, uh, you know, a lot has gone by the wayside uh, in an effort to try and do that. And of course, then that has led to rote learning and people, students nowadays simply giving the answer that's expected and getting an A and that being the focus as opposed to being on education, being to lead out what's within and to develop whatever the individual's talents and abilities are. So we have actually most recently, uh, our boldest, probably one of our boldest um Efforts to date, we've taken on, not taken on, we've we've tried, we're trying to help the Irish education system move in a more creative direction because it too, while it's it's very good academically and our we've got a very well educated, um, con, you know race, um, the we have a final exam at the end of high school that dictates basically what everybody is doing and absolutely, uh, has does not does not reward. Creative thinking, or problem solving, or any of the you know the outcomes that are required for an educated person now. So we have actually, as a um, uh, an expansion, I suppose, of what I've been, what happens with students, what happens with in you know, creative difference. We have taken on a system and brought all the representatives of the system here of the Irish education system from I mean policymakers all the, through all of the different. third level, university levels, high school, primary school, teachers, and most importantly, students, and brought them together in a creative way, uh, mediated by music, poetry, um, creative activity. And again, the, the goal being to try and have people get out of a fixed way of thinking and imagine what a creative education might be like, and then subsequently taking actions to uh, to actually move to that people-centered uh, model as opposed to a system outcomes-led model that we have at the
0: moment. Well, this is fascinating, and my, my next question um, kind of uh, springs off of that. But, you know, I've read that... Um, one of the most important criteria to be able to thrive is resilience. And, you know, I know for myself, um, I've really only realized in my late fifties um, that I really need to enhance my problem solving skills because, um, you know, I think there is a solution for every problem and every situation, but, um It requires real creativity to think out of the box and to be solution oriented. And, you know, um, I agree with your assessment that in today's very complex world, you know, with so many different things coming at you, um, the ability to discern, um, you know, what the real problem is and what the best solution is, even if it's kind of counter to uh, conventional wisdom um, is sorely lacking. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people running around uh, who are very busy and, and yet aren't really affecting any change. Um, and so I know that um, the burn executive leadership retreat um, you know, probably addresses this. And I'd love to hear more about that offering. Sure.
1: So, again, this is another iteration of um, taking these essential elements that I feel we have here, uh, you know, place, process, human scale and radical hospitality, uh, which together is quite a potent uh, recipe, really, that that, that really helps people. Shift very entrenched, what can be very entrenched ways of looking at the world, and ways of seeing things, and way ways of relating to themselves. So uh, the executive, we, this is now um, we've had five years doing working with um, context consulting and Mary Stacey, uh, who's a consultancy uh, based in Toronto. Uh, Mary came to the Baron actually initially uh, to with david white, who the poet who who leads pilgrimages in the barn and has done for the last twenty five years, uh, but um, and she recognized the power of the place in this kind of transformative capacity. So she and I worked together and uh, have developed this retreat, which is basically helping senior leaders in, you know, from, corp, well, leading in corporations and not-for-profits and all kinds of different organizations f- uh, around the world who are grappling with this, how to lead in this uncertain world, because there is no certainty now. And you, ca- a leader can no longer be the person who's going to be out there saying, well, this is how it is, and this is going to work, and so on. Because you know there are so many uncertainties and volatilities involved. So the the, the greatest capacity is the capacity to be, well, a to, to to know oneself as a leader, and then and and the capacity to empathize and to actually feel into you know work with a team and as a leader to try and sense into what the world needs and wants and what you know what what working where purpose is about. So. Again, this is where the this comes. This comes naturally to artists, you know. The artist knows this, the, you know, and and the, it comes from a deep knowing that comes from that reflection, that comes from continual practice, that comes from, uh, you know, working hard at it in many ways. But 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 then knowing intuitively when something is right. So that's what the retreat kind of aims to do. It's artist as leader, leader as artist, and we. We're just so fortunate to have um incredible artists in the midst of, of that retreat, together with, with, with Mary, who Mary Stacy, who's directing it, and um the other facilitators, a graphic facilitator, uh Riley, and then um Galen as well, and then um David White, a poet That's who knows the place. And, Yeah, well, he really, you know, he he speaks, he speaks so potently, I suppose, to the leaders and gets to the core of the leadership dilemmas. And then that is balanced with Martin Hayes, who is just a musician, a fiddler, not only a fiddler, but he's a musician just par excellence, who... Can also has the who, as well as transporting people to a deep place with his music, has the ability to speak about that process and how he knows when when it's right to lead, to lead on, you know, with the music, to strike the right note. So it's it's an amazing, and then of course we're very um we're out in the landscape immersed in in the place as well. That's an important part of the whole experience. So it 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 basically is, I suppose like everything. We, <laughs> I've, you know, I think if I was asked to sum up in a in a a sentence and I sometimes think I should just write a brochure that has one sentence what what does what happens here in the burning flashbar what do we do we help people get out of their own yeah. way and 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 kind of find their really their north star and uh, you know find a direction that that and and then have the courage to follow it so well
0: You've said that growth results, not always from adding new layers of skills, but from stripping away the excess to discover your true self. I'm curious, how did that process occur for you personally? That's, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one, Meg.
1: Um, because sometimes, you know, there's so, we're first, we're a small, tiny little college. You wouldn't believe how tiny we are. And yet we're doing all these things so many things, big, important things. And, um, sometimes it can, for me, I can be that person who's talking about everybody else being busy, but I can be not having any time. So, which is ridiculous. Um, so, um, for me, <laughs> luckily, I suppose the burn itself actually is my, it feeds my soul as much, you know, so I, there's nothing I like better than then on Sundays or whatever day, but Sundays particularly, going with our local walking club and being up in those Burren hills, and you know, communing with nature, or after a day going walking the beach and walking the Burren, just gives you no matter what's going on, it it provides a kind of a sanctuary and a peace and a, a clarity that I actually feed that I absolutely rely on uh you know when 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 i'm when i'm looking for that kind of clarity equally i always think it's important to become different to your normal self so that you know and challenge yourself a bit and and the way you think so uh i put myself in those kind of uncomfortable situations quite a lot as well to to challenge myself and and uh lead myself i mean i i like you i I absolutely love different cultures and travel. I, I I traveled a lot when I was a, a young one on my own when it wasn't the thing to do. And, um, and now that I, you know, I, I've been doing a, a bit more travel in the last five or six years and going to experience really, really different cultures and just making sure that you don't become locked into a certain way of thinking and just watching how, how, how other people live and how they make sense of their lives. And, um, so I suppose that for me, and then music as well, music is another, transports me off to a, another place. But for me, it's nature and nothing, nothing works in the same way or as, as powerful, I think, to really give you a perspective on life and how that you're just a little grain of sand here, really. But, you know, you know it's a grain of sand that can make a difference. But being, be, being, I'm just, I'm over, I'm overawed, I suppose. I love being in awe of nature, and 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 I'm surrounded by, by it in spades in the most beautiful way here. Even if it's wild and windy and, you know, whatever it might be, it still feeds the soul.
0: Yes, nature is a powerful teacher. Now I want to ask you if you could share a bit of a moment. When you create, when you connected with your own creativity, is there one moment that stands out where you really felt like "aha"?
1: I do recall a particular moment and a response. Actually, there are two such moments. Another one was when I was uh, convincing or telling somebody about uh, about the work we were doing with an effort, you know, trying trying to get um, support for a project that I believed strongly in. And on each of those two occasions, I suppose, I was stretched to my very limits uh in terms of comfort zone, but I was speaking from a place of absolute conviction and truth, and on both of those occasions, I knew i was going it was going to succeed uh and it did, and it really, i suppose. It felt like being, I suppose. When I, I'm not a, personally, I'm not, I'm not an artist in the, that sense of the word, but I, I, it's the nearest I came to what artists describe. I would say as being in flow, and uh, that sense was just uh, so. It was, ex, it was almost like ecstasy of some description. It's the nearest I've got to it because it was awfully difficult and tough. But once I got into it and was in that moment of truth and of conviction it just felt like riding on a wave and nothing was going to stop me and and then it and it paid off so it kind of i suppose just and i it, they're very clear in my mind but i suppose reflecting on it which i'm just doing now it probably it's like i suppose what an artist feels when they when they have a piece they're really really happy with you know it had taken in many ways years for me to get to that place it wasn't overnight by any means but it was but I was being pushed to my very very limit but when you have purpose and you have clarity and you have a goal and there's a truth in it then nothing you know nothing will stop you and I and it was lovely to feel to feel to to feel that moment and to experience it I suppose it's it was it was the nearest I got to composing an aria or creating a beautiful art piece or Um, that was my piece of artistry and it was just felt so good.
0: Yes. And I think that ties back to what you were saying about leadership and, you know, knowing when you are tapping into something true and authentic and, you know, that gives you the ability to lead and communicate, um, Now, you are both, I would say, I'm assuming you would say too, uh, a creative and an educator. Can you describe kind of when and how you recognized a desire to teach and help people transform and what the catalyst for that was? Well, I
1: grew up in a family that was where education was very important. Um, My mother who at 99 now is still uh, an educator she never stops educating she is always teaching somebody something um <laughs> it's just um i suppose it was in it was kind of partly in my dna but and so i started life as a teacher actually uh first of all primary teacher then i did special education then i devised programs for uh traveler children and then disadvantaged children and so on and so forth but um it wasn't quite, um, it wasn't quite, the classroom situation and the, I think and the education system, I never was happy with. I didn't, I felt a bit like a fish out of water in it, um, both as a participant in it when I was a student and then as a teacher in the system. I, so anyway, um, but education has always fascinated me and I felt it so important. And a pivotal time for me was uh, when I spent a year away uh, in my early 20s in another culture uh, where nobody knew me and I had I, I learned so much about myself and I would have said it was the biggest the best educator of all times was that it's tra- you know travel and immersion and being in a in a just being on your own two feet and deciding who you are and what are you good for so that I think also gave, informed what a lot of what the college is about at the moment, which is you know people studying studying away from their normal place, because I saw the value of that in 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 educating the person and uh, in I suppose helping one find what one is made of. So um, I think that that year for me was certainly pivotal, and it confirmed for me that I was very interested in education. But particularly education and personal development. Per- education, I suppose, as personal development and enhancing who the individual, what a per- who a person is, and, and what they're about, and helping them to reach their full potential. So I suppose it's that broad view of education has has always interested me. And as I say, I suppose some of it isn't the has. To, <laughs> I have inherited it from uh, a very strong mother who set up her own uh, high school back in a time in Ireland when uh, married women weren't even supposed to teach, but she was having none of that. So, okay. Uh, if, um, you know, if can't teach in state school, well then I set up my own school. So, you know, that pioneering spirit was, is there somewhere. Yep.
0: Well, I, you know, I appreciate the philosophy that in order to really get in touch with yourself, it can be great to get out of your comfort zone and, you know, out of the familiar and away from uh, people's expectations of you. Um, Best Cultural Destinations tagline is people are culture and connecting is the destination. And it seems to me that your work is also about connection. In closing, could you share a, a message with listeners about what connection means to you and how you have sought to achieve it? Yeah, connection. I suppose
1: connection really, first of all, connection to yourself is important. And, you know, knowing what it is that motivates you and what your best work in life is, your purpose and so on. Um, And then it's interesting being in a place like the Byron, I have realized, and maybe this taps back into your initial question about culture how connection to place can have, um, can be so strong as well and can kind of influence one. And I suppose I see that so much in this place, in, in which I'm living. When I look at how the farmers in this place love their land, how they speak about it in such poetic words, how they have names for the fields, how you know they they respect the traditions that have gone before, and are informed by that that deep connection to a place, and not everybody has that I know, and maybe it's not as strong for everybody. And I actually didn't have it where I grew up, interestingly enough. So it wouldn't, but wow, do I I understood what how Michael had it to the Baron, and I now even though I'm still considered a blowing uh, after 35 years, uh, you know, I, 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 I know what that connection is. And I, I, my own children, even though they're living in Dubai, New York and London, are, I know they have a very strong sense of connection as well. So it's like getting back to a source, to a well, to something that feeds your soul and kind of, as you said, is grounding and brings you back. To some to the elemental place to that place that you were kind of from which you are going out into the world and from which you are doing your 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 work whatever that work is in the in the world so and then I think that helps you then you know to connect with others and you know to have that deep kind of um, uh, I suppose empathy and and openness and solidity in in your grounded in you're grounded in what you're about and where you're coming from. And then that gives you roots that you can just connect with people from anywhere and everywhere, you know, because you, you, you're solid in, in what you know and what's important and kind of, uh, I suppose, where you're anchored. And, and that's the way I feel in this, in this place. Well said. Mary, thank you so much. My pleasure, Meg. Pleasure speaking with you.